if you need a laugh here on your behalf it's bad mates are we fighting crime or just wasting time it's bad mates Lunch, boom, crash, kapow, stream a download, holy cow, you can stop listening now to Batmates, because we're Batmates. Hello and welcome to Batmates, a podcast that is allegedly about Batman. My name is Becca, and this week Batman comes up maybe a handful of times at best. My name is Josh, and I got in a car accident. Oh no, is that going to be news? <laughs> no, I just figured I'd, I'd say uh, it's been a while since we put out an episode, maybe like a week and a half, two mm. weeks, because it's been a rough past week. It for... has been a rough past couple of weeks. And I got a new job. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some exciting, exciting times. Ups and downs. Ups and downs. And you know what? I honestly blame myself for every bad thing that's happened to us. Josh got in a car accident. Uh, somebody drained $500 out of my bank account oh, yeah. by skimming my ATM card when I... Went to a shady ATM on Cody Island. Yep. Uh, and I just feel like it's, it's the because, universe balancing itself out. Yeah, the universe is balancing itself balancing itself out because I got my dream job, and so now a bunch of bad stuff needs to happen for everything to be like the it's way a, it was. It's the yin and the yang. The yin and the yang, exactly. Okay. Well, um, do you want to start with a little bit of news? Yeah. Here's some Batman news. Actually, Batman got in a car accident. No, just kidding. JK. He gets in a car accident in the beginning of the Dark Knight Returns movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think he does in the book, too. He's He drives a race car and he gets in, like, a big crash. Oh, no. And they're like, why are you doing this? You're, like, 80. And he's like, I love, I'm a adrenaline junkie. Yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> All right. So, Jaime Reyes is coming to HBO Max. Very exciting. Oh, Blue yeah. Beetle. Blue Beetle movie, which means... We've talked we're about only, this. We're only tangentially away from a Booster Gold movie. Yeah. And Josh can finally die happy. Uh, yeah, we already talked about this. There's going to be a Blue, Blue Beetle movie. We did. But the news this week is that they've actually cast Blue Beetle. Oh. So uh, a young actor, uh, 20 years old, named Sholo Mariduena is going to star in the upcoming Blue Beetle film. And he's best known for his role as Miguel Diaz in the Netflix show Cobra Kai. Oh, so okay. He's new okay. on the scene. He's only 20. Hmm. But he's cute looking. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And so this is, they're going to tell Jaime's story, which he is the third, third Blue, Blue Beetle. Beetle. Yes. Who gets it, uh, gets the Blue Beetle from Ted Cord mm-hmm. when Ted Cord is killed in an, like an explosion in his lab. That's how they did it in Young Justice. Okay. I'm not exact, 100% sure how they're going to do it in this movie. Um, Jaime gets his powers from the Scarab specifically, whereas, like, the other Blue Beetles got their powers from, like, technology gadgets and stuff. Okay. I thought it was, Ted Cord was the one, he, like, had the Blue Beetle, but he used technology to emulate it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes. The film's going to be directed by Angel Manuel Soto, who's directed a number of Spanish-language short films, as well as a 2020 film called Charm City Kings, which is about young, young urban dirt bike riders in Baltimore. So Interesting. It's about my favorite subject, boys on bikes. Boys on bikes, which is the, what we yell whenever we see a movie with boys on bikes. Not even a movie. If I see a boy in person, I'll yell, boy on bike. <laughs> Boys on bikes. We yelled it during the It movie. We yelled it during Stranger Things. Stranger Things. It's a new trope. Yeah. Yeah. A new trope? I wouldn't say that. Boys on bikes is an ET. Yeah. I do love <laughs> boys on bikes. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. 
Jaime Reyes. Look out for him. The other piece of news I have is that Warner Bros. and DC have released a new AR app, uh, Altered Reality app. Okay. Uh, augmented reality. I augmented guess. reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like what Pokemon Go is, where yes. you like point your camera and there's an overlay of the real world. Exactly. Wait, brief digression. Okay. Okay. So I was talking to a kid in the in my in my workplace the other day uh-huh. uh, who came in and they were like, "Oh my god, I love your Pokemon buttons." Last time I was here, we talked about Pokemon. I was like, "Yeah," and. Their mom was like, yeah, we, they do love those cards. And I was like, it's basically gambling. And I was telling the mom and the kid all about your like Pokemon trading card game spending habits. And the mom was like, well, that's why we play Pokemon Go because it's free and we don't have to spend lots of money on things. And I was like, yeah, but the trading card game is like way more fun. Like the mom was like mad that the kid preferred the trading card game to the free Pokemon (laughs) Go game, which involves no strategy and no skill whatsoever. Not really. And it's just like a stupid little mini game. Yeah. Even like, I mean, the Pokemon battles have a little bit of strategy to them, but even then I think it's just like picking the type effective move. Yeah. No. Trading card game is an excellent hobby and you and your child should do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's really fun. But it is... It is it is gambling when it comes to the card packs. Sort of, it yeah. Is. I mean, there's there's guaranteed pull rates, so you know. Okay. Like, I think every pack you're guaranteed to get at least two uncommons and one rare, mm-hmm. and then like of that rare, there's like a one in ten chance it'll be like an ultra rare or something. Mm. Well, anyway, this isn't a Pokemon podcast, but I digress. So, Augmented Reality. Uh, It's a new app called Batman Bat Tech Edition, which rolls off the tongue so easily. (laughs) And the app is geared to children and designed to make them feel like they're right in the heart of Gotham City. App users will become a part of Batman's Night Watch and use his gadgets to stop crime around the city. Uh, the app also includes mini games, video shorts called Batman Science Lab, and a new digital comic series that's also called Night Watch. And better yet, the app is completely free and as of now contains no in-app purchases. Oh, interesting. So, okay, so you said around the city. Is this another like location-based game like Pokemon Go is where you have to like move around your physical city? I don't think so. Okay. The images that I saw seemed like it was just in this person's living room. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I think it transports you. It turns your living room into Gotham Instead City. of that cumbersome name, they could have just called it Bat Tech or Bat something Tech. like that. Although they have to put Batman in the title. Batman Bat Tech Edition. For, for when they for when they like uh, do searches because they want to show up at the top of the search That's results. That's true. Yeah. Bat Tech. Okay. We do you want to tell the listeners about the things around our home that we've named uh, Batman <laughs> Bat Tech things? Yeah, I mean our our television is the Bat Computer. Our uh, our Google Home is the uh, Manor Intercom. Yeah, and our our Roomba is Alfred. <laughs> yeah. So if we wanted to. Uh, oh, and our our Wi-Fi is um, oh, Wayne Wayne Enterprises. Or yeah, something? Wayne. Uh, Wayne Tech Enterprises. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have like the the like 5G one is called uh, Wayne Tech Platinum Members. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if we want to start our Roomba, then we tell the Google Home to uh, ask Alfred to sweep the floor. <laughs> and she's like, starting Alfred. <laughs> and then it goes, boop, boop, boop. And then it sweeps the floor. <laughs> yep. We live in... A futuristic society. Oh, yeah. It's it's absolutely crazy. I love it. I wake up every morning and I tell Google to turn on the back computer and I feel so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even find the remote. 
right. So, so yeah. that's that's all the news that you have about that's that. Was the there anything else to say about the AR game? No. It is it like for ki- it's like for kids? Seems like it's it's for the young and the young at heart. Okay. It's aimed it's aimed younger. Yes. Okay. I don't think I don't think uh, there's a lot of there's a ton of violence in this new comic. Got it. Or the the digital shorts called Batman Science Lab. <laughs> Honestly, I'd love to watch them to see if it is like similar to the Silver Age comics that we we read, where there's like a requirement to like teach the kids something, <laughs> teach them about friction or whatever. Except this science is probably real and not just like made up BS about like shrinking people. Well, no, I mean the ones that we read have like scientific facts in them, like uh, you know heat expands and cold contracts. Well, yeah, yeah. I I would say about half of the facts in in the Batman comics <laughs> we read are real, and then the other it's just science mumbo jumbo. No, yeah, bat facts. Okay, well, in in uh, contrast to that, a, a bit more darker, grittier version of Batman got announced this week. Two casting decisions for the Batman audio drama that's going to be on Spotify called Batman Unburied. Winston Duke, who people may know from the Black Panther movie, mm-hmm. he plays M'Baku, who is uh, the person who challenges T'Challa to the crown. He's the head of the, like, gorilla tribe. Yeah, yeah. In the mountains. Yeah. He was also in the Jordan Peele movie Us. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the dad. Got it. Okay. And so he's going to be playing Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. And then Jason uh, Isaacs from Harry Potter is going to be playing Alfred. Interesting. Yeah. He played um, Malfoy's dad, Mm. Lucius Malfoy. Is this the first time a black actor has played Batman? It might be. I think it is. I'm trying to think back to like all the voice actors that I know who voiced Batman. And I'm, you know, obviously I'm thinking about Kevin. We recently had Jensen Ackles. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, that other guy who does it in the Justice League movies. Um, Diedrich Bader in uh, Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. And then um, Will Arnett in the, in the Lego movie, too. Yeah. But yeah, I don't see any black actors. Apparently Jimmy Kimmel and Teen Titans go to the movies. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been a black voice actor for Batman, which is weird because you'd think that like they would make a bigger deal of it. I, I guess. mean, it's just an audio drama. That's true. I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah. So I, I read a, they also released like a little description. It says Bruce Wayne is a forensic pathologist Investigating the serial killer, the Harvester. Okay, so they basically gave him the Flash's backstory. I guess so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, Flash is more of a forensic, like scientist. I guess he's like he does what like Dexter does. He's like a you know Mm -hmm. crime scene analysis. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. So I guess he's not going to be billionaire playboy. Or if he is billionaire, he's like going to school. He's got a job. <laughs> he's got a job. Yeah. Maybe it's like an early story before he becomes Batman. Yeah. Well, aren't they doing... I don't know if this is going to be the case in the new Batman movie, the one with um, um, Robert Pattinson. But I know that there was a script at one point that had Batman told... Not as, like, a wealthy Bruce Wayne, but as, like, um, the son of some guy who was, like, a little wealthy and, like, had a family name but was kind of disgraced and he was living a more kind of grungy life, like, like Catwoman, where she's, like, in the projects or whatever. And Okay. I don't know what you're talking about at all. Okay, okay. Yeah, there, there's an unreleased <laughs> script that I think think that the new Batman movie t- took 
some parts from. I, apparently, it was really violent, and they oh. like never made it. Okay. I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't know too too much about this other than I like I started to read it. Okay, we'll do some research. Hey everyone, this is Josh from the future, editing Josh. Uh, the movie that I was thinking of, the script that I had read, was the Batman Year One script. They were going to make a Batman Year One film. In that film, Bruce Wayne is homeless after his parents are shot, and he his Alfred the butler is actually a guy named Al, and he works in uh, auto repair shop and stuff. It's a completely different film than actually got made, which is Batman Begins. Back to the episode. I love reading unreleased scripts. I once spent like a whole night reading the un- the like first draft of the Rent movie, which was so like not true to the musical at all. Really? It was very weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. It had like new characters and stuff. And I was like, I think this is a fan fiction. <laughs> anyway. That's what a lot of unreleased scripts read like, honestly. Yeah. Oh, that's why we have script doctors. <laughs> okay. The Harvester. So Batman Unburied, he's working with somebody called The Harvester. No, he's working to or no, find, he's working to find the Harvester. A serial killer called The Harvester. So who's not he, an established character? I looked it up. I was like, is this like a DC character yeah. who's like you know we haven't heard about? The only thing I could find was there's some like indie comic called The Harvester, but it has nothing to do with DC yeah. and Batman. You would think The Harvester, he's like harvesting organs from. Like dead bodies, maybe like graves, like unburied. But if he's a serial killer, maybe he kills them and then he harvests their organs and then I don't know. They guess find the empty shells. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. maybe, yeah. I don't know. Creepy. We have to wait. Yeah. We will have to wait to figure it out. Yeah, I'm excited. They they don't know what the release schedule is going to be like. There's no release date announced yet, even though they've announced a couple of casting decisions, and we don't know if it's going to be like you know, all released at once, or if it's going to be episode by episode, like every week. Who knows? Yeah. We still have to wait. All right. So should we get on to the massive season finale of Squad Go? We got a double header this week. Yes. Should Do you want to, you go with yours first. Because mine is arguably the mother of the squad. Okay. Uh, We're going to do the mother and the father of the squad, but Rick Flagg continues to be too boring to cover. (laughs) So maybe maybe later. We may cover Rick Flagg in our Suicide Squad review episode. Yes. We're recording this uh, at 1130 on Thursday. We're planning to go see Suicide Squad tomorrow night. So... Watch out for that episode. This will probably be released after we see the movie. So our next episode will be our Suicide Squad review. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're listening to this, you've probably seen it. I hope you liked it. Do you remember that one part? That was crazy. I loved it. (laughs) I can't believe that, uh, you know, that one character died. Should we we make wild speculations? (laughs) I feel like we've been doing that this whole series. Yeah, we have. I think we should continue to only do it in the squad goals themselves. I think, okay, here's my wild speculation. Okay. I think King Shark is going to fall in love with Starro. I think they're gonna kill Starro. This is a safe bet. This I think they're That's gonna, not a wild speculation. They're gonna blow him up. I think is gonna join the squad. Or they're gonna... Oh my god, I would love it. Okay, okay, here's my real one. I hope they do the thing that happened 
in the Justice League where like they save a small piece of Starro in a jar and he grows into a little starfish that they call Jaro and he becomes a superhero. <laughs> and he he's like, I want to be the next Robin. I God, I hope that happens. I hope he joins the squad as Jaro. You know what? Anything is possible with um with oh shoot um, James Gunn? Yeah, with James Gunn directing. Yeah. Oh, man, I want Jaro so badly. I'm really I'm so excited, you guys. <laughs> Okay, uh, I guess we'll go with mine. Mine kind of ties into yours. So I'm going to cover Mongal. Um, there's not a whole lot to cover. Mongal is the daughter of Mongol, who is a Superman villain, who is an alien who fought Superman on the war world. And then later, during the like Reign of the Supermen storyline, when Superman was MIA, he leveled Coast City, Ooh. like completely destroyed it and killed everyone in it, um, and then was like brought to justice by Green Lantern. He worked together with Cyborg Superman and then betrayed him. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Mongol's more interesting than Mongal, his daughter. I think he's in that um, The Man Who Has Everything story, the Alan Moore comic. He's the one, or at least he's in the adaptation they did in the Justice League oh, series. Oh, yeah. Where he's the one who, like, gives Superman that weird thing. The, that he, the black rose black or rose something. Black rose that makes him dream about life on Krypton with a boring wife. Yeah. And boring yeah. children. Uh, yeah, he's he's just sort of like a general Superman antagonist. He's, he's another one of those, what was that guy's name that we covered? Who, like, only shows up in one comic where he's from some, like, warrior planet. That Superman fights. Oh yeah, no, that was in the um, the Harvey Dent episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, ah, my greatest foe, man who's never appeared before. Crack on or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but like n nobody knows who it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Superman's gone off and like fought people in space a bunch of times, and that seems to be a non insignificant portion of yeah. his rogues gallery. And you know what? DC doesn't doesn't owe you those stories. You don't get, <laughs> you don't get to know what he does off Earth unless they want you to. I think it would He's be He's living cool. his own life. Let him have it, his days off. I think it would be really cool if they did it, though. Like, if they did it, like, in Thor Ragnarok, where he goes to that, like, war world and fights a bunch of warriors, and then he ends up fighting the Hulk. That would be cool. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, she's the, the daughter of him, of Mongol. Mongal. Very creative naming as a father. Mm -hmm. um, she has a brother who is Mongol the Younger, and her brother eventually kills her. Mm. She shows up in like one Superman comic and fights him alongside her brother. And then like he defeats her. Uh, she also becomes the queen of some other warrior planet. But then, like I said, her brother kills her. And that's in like mainline continuity before New 52 and Rebirth, which... As far as I can tell, she doesn't really appear in New 52 and Rebirth, except for in DC Future State, where she shows up as a part of the Suicide Squad. Ah, so mm -hmm. she actually is a part of the Suicide Squad at some point. Although, this comic was made well after production had begun yeah. for the, the Suicide Squad movie. Um, she is part of a Suicide Squad that's being led by Peacemaker that is attempting to stop Amanda Waller from Earth-1 from attempting to, like, rule Earth-3 with her own version of the Justice League. Hmm. This is a weird comic. Uh, it's one of the, like, the future state was sort of this, maybe this could happen in the future. And so Amanda Waller moves to Earth-3. As we all know, the evil Earth. 
she I don't know how she does it, but she somehow defeats like the evil uh the ultra ultraman and all them. The mm-hmm. Is there an even eviler Amanda Waller on Earth three? Uh, she's, I think she's basically the same Amanda Waller. She might be a little nicer even. It's like that, that, uh, Spider-Man meme of them like pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, honestly, yeah, though. Like, they're basically the same. Yeah. And I think the one Amanda Waller, either she orders somebody to kill the other Amanda Waller or she kills the other Amanda Waller herself. It's been, it's been a couple of months since I read the comic. It's only two issues. Um... But anyway, this version of Mongal is killed by, I, I'm doing air quotes here, Martian Manhunter, who is actually, it's Clayface, okay. who is making himself to look up, up like Martian Manhunter. Yeah, a shapeshifter shape, shifting shapes into a shapeshifter. Exactly, exactly. Cool. Yeah, so Amanda Waller's like pseudo-Justice League is, a, but like, it's it's uh, Connor Kent as Superman, cool. uh, Clayface as, as Martian Manhunter. There's like a Australian speedster who's taking on the mantle of Flash. There's some woman who like phases in and out of reality who's t- took over the mantle of Wonder Woman. Me too. <laughs> and and there's I'm trying to remember who else there is. Oh, there's like some other Atlantean who is uh who's like Aquaman. Okay. And but like doesn't speak English and looks like a fish. Oh, fun. <laughs> this is real weird. Yeah, I think I remember seeing this panel. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Clayface kills her by filling her with mud Gross. and like suffocating her. Gross. <laughs> Basically just like filling every hole of her with mud. Disgusting. I yeah. hate it. Terrible. I have a question. What's that? What do you think it's like to live on like a warrior planet if you're like just like a shoemaker? <laughs> if you just want to be like, I just want to be in like an ophthalmologist. I don't think they have ophthalmologists, which is weird because you basically, I guess they would get to the point, like they would get to Bronze Age where they make weaponry and then they just stop technologically. Pretty much. <laughs> like, like, what if you're, what if you're like a pacifist? Although some war worlds have guns too. So someone has to do the research to make guns. Hmm. They have to have chemists. I think war worlds are a super weird thing that's in comic like books. Like a trope, like a sci-fi trope that yeah. like doesn't make any sense. It's just a way for there to be a big fleet of ships that you can I encounter. Guess, you know what? I, I think maybe war world is like, it's not a place that people live. It's like... Um, I mean, Sakaar in uh, Thor Ragnarok was not like just solely like, oh, big like battle planet. Like there, it was just like... That was their entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. Like Clash of the Titans. I would say maybe it's like one of those towns that's... Like wrestling. It's one of those towns that's built around, like, big arenas or something in the middle of nowhere where, like, the only thing they do is that. Mm-hmm. And people people come from other planets to fight on the war world. But, like, people who live on it actually don't participate. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, it's a tourist trap. Yeah, it's a tourist trap, basically. Maybe they sell popcorn there, but... <laughs> All right, you got anything else on Mongal? No, that's it. That's it. There's really not a whole lot to cover. Uh, right. Her her father is like a much more interesting character. All right, maybe we'll do him on a future episode. Hopefully. Well, let's move on then to the one, the only, the woman who started it all, a woman with a beautiful dream, <laughs> Amanda Waller. I want some like um, like cheesy like music playing under this, like from a young tender age. <laughs> Amanda wanted to stir stuff up. Okay. 
So Amanda Waller had a difficult early life growing up in the crime-ridden Cabrini and Green housing project in Chicago. She found happiness when she married her husband, Joe, and had five children with him. Jeez. I know. Big family. However, her entire life changed when her oldest son, Joe Jr., was killed during a mugging gone wrong. And soon afterwards, her daughter, Demita, was raped and murdered while coming home from church. And even though Amanda and Joe knew who had killed Demita, the police were unable to get a conviction, and the killer, who is known as Candyman, was released. Now, brief digression, because strangely, this doesn't seem connected to the Candyman film series, of which the new one is going to come out pretty soon. Um, (laughs) It's got the guy who played uh, Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen a TV show okay. in it. He's like the main character. Uh-huh. He's he's playing a character who was like an infant in the first Candyman movie, which is from like 1990. Okay. So, yeah. So Candyman is a like a serial killer, supernaturally kind of movie uh, that takes place in the Cabrini Green housing project. But I don't think this seems to be connected to it at all. That's I looked weird. it up. I know it's weird. I don't know. That's bizarre. It's like they couldn't think of a, another name. Candyman sounds like the name of like a Neil Gaiman character that's in the. Um, you think of Sandman? Yeah, the Sandman universe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a from a Clive Barker short story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to read the story. So wait, I want to watch the old movie before the new one comes out. But I, I looked. I've like the, seen the stuff movie? about it, and it seems like too scary even for me. <laughs> You said the Candyman movie was 1990. When was Amanda Waller's character introduced? The Candyman movie came out in 1992. However, the original short story was came out in 1985, and Amanda Waller was introduced in 1986. Okay. So it might still have been influenced by... I don't know. If, if Amanda Waller's story came first, that's a crazy coincidence, right? Yeah. Because also, I don't think I mean, Candyman... The, na- the name Candyman is a thing. Like... Candy, Candyman is Candyman, just... Candyman. Yeah, Candyman. the Candyman. Can, that's like from the 60s. Well, actually, now that I think of it, the original story doesn't take place in the Cabrini Green housing project. So maybe the people who made the Candyman film were like inspired by like the Amanda Wallet. But then why did they use the same name? I don't know. I'm super confused. This is going to be a whole episode in itself. Let's get past it. <laughs> this was supposed to be a brief digression. Okay. So Joe sets out to seek justice on his own after Candyman is released. Uh, But unfortunately, he and Candyman end up killing each other in a gunfight. So now Amanda's oldest son, daughter, and husband are all dead. This series of tragedies prompts Amanda to put herself and her remaining children through college. And after earning her political science degree, Amanda gets a job in Washington as a political aide and discovers the old Task Force X-Files. In, like, a back room. Okay. She's she's looking for, like, old bills. And she's like, ooh, what's this? Task Force X. And she takes a file and she blows it off and goes, and there's dust all over. Mm -hmm. So, little tangent about the original Task Force X. Uh, They were formed by President Truman in 1951 after the Justice Society of America was forced into retirement uh, by the House Un-American Activities Committee. And Task Force X had two branches. Uh, one was called Argent, which was the domestic branch that dealt with costume criminals. And the second one was called the Suicide Squad, which dealt with superhumans and international crises. Okay, so this is sort of some like revisionist history that is um, after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Because Crisis on Infinite Earths happened in 85. 
And then I guess this is trying to set up like what happened to the Justice Society of America yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, in New Earth, yeah. not in the, the Golden Age. Exactly. So they're retelling the stories and the sort of concepts of groups from the Golden Age, but in, in New Earth continuity. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So following JFK's assassination in 1963, Task Force X was forced underground and eventually disbanded after half of their members were killed in a botched mission. So that's the end of Task Force X. Okay. Until Amanda Waller finds out about them. Okay. So Waller decides to revive Task Force X and recruits its former leader, Rick Flagg, as her first member. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, the first iteration of the new Task Force X consisted of Flagg, Blockbuster, Bronze Tiger, Captain Boomerang, and Enchantress. And they are promised pardons for being a part of the team, and they're given bracelets that will explode if they don't do what they're told or if they try to escape. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, In their first mission, they defeat Brimstone, who is uh, sort of like an artificial intelligence being that was created by dark side oh. and released onto the planet. He's just a big monster. Okay. Much. I okay. Could, I, he's a big fire monster. He's a big fire monster built by dark side. Yeah. Got it. Um, and Waller expects the whole team to die, but blockbuster is the only casualty. And after this, she attempts to renege on the release deal because she thought they weren't going to live. So wow. that's she was like, yeah, you'll get pardons. Sure. Uh, but flag convinces her to honor the pardons and set them all free. <laughs> Uh, which isn't a big deal because, like, for sure they're going to commit more crimes and get thrown back in jail. Yeah. They're super villains. Exactly. You know what? A bird, a bird has to fly. Yeah. It's not like Captain Boomerang's going to be like, oh, I guess I'm done with crime now mm-hmm. and I'm going to have a regular life. Just go be an Olympic boomeranger. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think that's an event. It should be. So over the years, Waller frequently butted heads with Derek Tolliver, who's the liaison between the Suicide Squad and the U.S. government. I think I saw he's part of, like, the National Security Council. Um, And after one extremely risky mission, Waller confronts Tolliver, who tells her that her team is expendable, to which Waller then punches him in the face, replying that being expendable doesn't mean their lives can be thrown away like garbage. Mm. So she's nuanced. She doesn't... She doesn't hate these people. She doesn't think they deserve to die or that they should just be, you know, like thrown out at the wolves. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, they have skills. They're yeah. useful. Yeah. She, she's not she's not judge, jury, and executioner. Like she, she thinks that they, you know, they've got jail time. They need to serve that jail time. And, you know, if they want to atone for that, then they can get out of it. But mm-hmm. it's not like they can just be killed willy-nilly. No. So another of Waller's rivals is the masked manhunter himself. And after infiltrating Amanda's base for Task Force X, which is Bell Rev Prison, Batman threatens to expose the existence of the Suicide Squad unless they stand down. Waller then counters this by threatening to expose Batman's identity, since she has the fingerprints of one Matches Malone. Ooh. And I love that she discovers Batman's secret identity and decides, great, I'm going to use this to do whatever I want. (laughs) So, okay, wait a sec. So, Matches Malone, Bruce Wayne's uh, alternate identity to infiltrate the under underworld, the seedy the crime areas. Um, how does she know that Matches Malone is Batman? Or how does she know that Matches Malone is Bruce Wayne? I mean, uh, well, that makes sense, right? Yeah. You get Matches Malone's fingerprints, you, you match them up with Bruce Wayne's. Although, why would Bruce Wayne's fingerprints be on file? I don't know. Yeah, you know. 
I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Who knows? Um, I'm sure he's been caught up in something or another that they had to process him. Probably. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so then like, how do you how do you make the jump from okay, Bruce Wayne is matches Malone to Bruce Wayne is Batman? Maybe I she guess. got Batman's fingerprints. Maybe he took his glove off or something to like I don't know, mm-hmm. drink a cup of water. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Who knows? Suspicious. Suspicious. <laughs> I don't believe this story. <laughs> it happened. So. There's a bunch of more things that happened to her on New Earth, but I'm going to skip ahead to New 52 because okay. most of the things that happened in the Suicide Squad storylines happened to the squad specifically and not really to Amanda. She just continues to like be like in charge of them and like, you know, mm-hmm. mean <laughs> and putting, <laughs> putting their lives at risk um, and a total badass and I love her. But uh, her New 52 origins are a bit more action movie inspired. So she starts, so in not, so... Her original version, she's, like, just, like, a mother, and she suffers some tragedies. She decides to, like, you know, change things and try to grab some power for her own. But no, not not a New 52. <laughs> in New 52, uh, she starts a series as an NSA operative working with a group codenamed Team 7. And the team's mission over four years is to secure technology that can be used to counter aggressive metahumans. And through many of their adventures, Amanda's teammates begin to develop their own metahuman abilities. And on their last mission, it's revealed that the true purpose of the team was to give the government knowledge that it needed to create a metahuman on par with Superman. And this newly created metahuman then goes on to sink an island that had been the base of a terrorist group called Basilisk. And Amanda is so disgusted with being lied to for years, she decides to forge a new path for herself. Uh, She's going to recruit bad people to do bad things so that good people can be safe. Interesting. Okay. And from here, she takes control of Belrev and designs an initiation process to weed out the weak and create Task Force X. For her own purposes. Okay, so this version lines up more with the version that we see in the Young Justice cartoon where she's a warden at Bell Rev mm-hmm. who puts together Task Force X. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And at Bell Rev, she discovers there's like been other tasks for task forces. And also in this version of Bell Rev, it's just metahuman prison. So like Harley wouldn't be there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I guess the other thing is that, like, she makes up reasons why, or she, she kind of lies on records to get the, the metahumans out mm-hmm. to do missions. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I got on Amanda Waller. She's okay. done a lot. She's been through a lot of storylines, but I thought I would just, you know, boil it down to the, the core elements of her of her backstory. Yeah. Because honestly, she hasn't had a lot of, like, character development over the years. Yeah. She's kind of always the same. Yeah, she's a rock. She, she's, she's literally Amanda the Wall Waller. Yeah, yeah. She she is... She, I mean, she, it's, it's nice to have a steady character like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of... You introduce her, she can show up for a couple of panels, and you just sort of know her deal, you yeah. know? There's no, there, there's no, like, having to guess, like, what, whose side is she going to be on and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like she, She's on her own side. She, she's on her own side. She's very clear-cut in her ambitions and... and Amanda Waller is my favorite supervillain. And goals. <laughs> she's not a villain, though. Is she, isn't she, though? She helps out. Is, she, does she? She is in antagonist... The way that I saw her described on, like, her Wikipedia page is an antagonist and sometimes ally to the Justice League. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love her. Which is pretty apt. So I'm going to I want to talk about her in other media. Amanda Waller in other media. So uh, Viola Davis is going to reply reprise her role from the first Suicide Squad movie as Yay. Amanda Waller in this one in the in the upcoming one. 
In the critically panned Green Lantern film, Angela Bassett portrays her as an official at a secret government facility that they're using to perform an autopsy on Abin Sur, which is the name of the alien that crash lands and gives Hal Jordan his, his ring. Oh. Um, and then there's like a whole thing that happened. I've no, I haven't seen the movie because mm-hmm. uh, I I've heard that it's bad and I don't want to watch a bad movie. Sure. <laughs> but apparently, uh, like the guy who's doing the autopsy or somebody who's like in the room gets like mind powers and then endangers Amanda Waller. But then Hal Jordan saves her. Good job, Ryan Reynolds. Good job. Pam Greer portrayed her in the Smallville season nine, where she plays into the like main plot of the season. Uh, it has stuff to do with like, Superman. Superman, yeah, obviously because it's Smallville. But there's like Candorians, and she's leading a squad, but it's not the Suicide Squad. But she is a part of the Suicide Squad okay. in Smallville. Uh, and then she disappears in season 10. Okay. And they think that it's because... So people think that it's because she appeared in the Green Lantern film. Hmm. Um, the DC was like, we can't have two portrayals of her at the same time. <laughs> I get like two live action portrayals. Oh, DC, my sweet summer child. Yeah, it's so weird. How much you've grown. Well, sort of. Because apparently she was also pulled from the Arrowverse... Uh, she was killed off in the Arrowverse when they were like in the middle of an Argus storyline mm-hmm. uh, that she was a part of. Because of Suicide because Squad? Because she was going to be in the Suicide Squad movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. actually like a quote from one of the actresses who was in the Arrow show said like, I would love to see like certain characters, but there's deals that they have to make. And she mentions like, you know, Amanda Waller specifically being pulled from the show because she was going to be in the Suicide Squad. They're doing everything wrong with those CW shows. (laughs) I know. Well, let's not get into it. Okay. Anyway, uh, in Arrow, she was portrayed by Adai Robinson. Mm -hmm. Now let's get to animation. Vanessa Williams portrays her in the DC AMU, DC Animated Movie Universe movies. So not the animated universe, the animated movie universe. Okay. So the ones that came before this continuity of movies that we have now. She was in um, Assault on Arkham? No, she wasn't, because that takes place in the Arkhamverse. Oh, she was in the one where they get the Get Out of Hell free card? Yes, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. That's such a good movie. Yeah, it is. It's a very good movie. If you want to see a Suicide Squad movie... We've already talked about it. Okay. <laughs> I, it's just so good. We should do a podcast that's just we review that movie every week. <laughs> Suicide Squad Hell to Pay is great, and Assault on Arkham is great, if you want to see two good Suicide Squad movies. Um, Anyway, so Vanessa Williams plays her in Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, and also in Batman Hush. She shows up uh, to escort Bane, I think, in like Blackgate or something. Okay. Uh, Yvette Nicole Brown voices her of community fame. My fave. Follow her on Twitter. She's so funny. (laughs) She voices her in the Lego DC Supervillains video game and also the DC Hero Girls series where she's the principal of Superhero High. Mm. So Amanda Waller, (laughs) DC Superhero Girls is a... Alternate universe. Alternate universe. uh, 
targeted towards young girls where like all of the DC superheroes and DC super, um, sorry, superhero wins and like super villainesses mm-hmm. kind of go to the same high school together. They're all high school age. Um, so it's like Batgirl and Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn and they all sort of hang out and go to high school together. <laughs> Silly, and we have a, uh, a we have a notebook. Yeah. <laughs> we got it from an arcade. Yep, we won it. It has a Batgirl on it from that from that TV series. Uh, oh, and then okay, perhaps most famously, finally, I'm going to mention the she was portrayed by Carol Christine Hilaria Pounder or CCH Pounder for short in the Justice League cartoon. And in the Arkham games. She shows up at the end of Arkham Origins uh, to tease um, Deadshot getting inducted into the Suicide Squad. And she's in Assault on Arkham. She's in the Justice League cartoon where she plays a major part in the um, second... I don't want to say second season... But the Justice League Unlimited, because mm-hmm. the first season of Justice League um, is all about like the sort of more one-off things, and then Justice League Unlimited has a, a whole season-long story arc where Waller runs a secret government project called Cadmus, mm-hmm. which is seeking to create a super counterforce to combat the Justice League should they ever go rogue, like their alternate reality counterparts. Yeah. And she ends up creating, well, not her specifically, but the Cadmus Project ends up creating Doomsday and Power Girl. Mm. So she oversees that. Fun. Yeah. It's really neat. It's a really cool storyline. She's also in that really good season finale. Yes. Like old Amanda Waller. Yeah. There's old Amanda Waller um, where she tells Terry McGinnis that he's actually... Bruce Wayne's son. Yeah. Like partially cloned from Bruce Wayne's DNA. Not because... Okay. Okay. Not because like they stole Bruce Wayne's DNA and like impregnated Terry's mom and not because Terry's mom had like an affair with Bruce Wayne. It's because they stole Bruce Wayne's DNA and they injected it into Terry's dad. And then his like seed was so strong. It was like more potent than Terry's that Bruce Wayne from inside Terry's dad is really Terry's father. It like rewrote his DNA or something. It's so weird. Yeah. It like rewrote his, his like sperm cells. I was like, ew, I hate this. <laughs> it's so weird. And then in the, uh, I, I also read this in the like uh, Batman Beyond like comic book series. She also creates a clone of Dick Grayson. Okay. <laughs> who like goes rogue and kills a bunch of Batman's like old villains like Calendar Man. Oh. <laughs> and Signal Man and stuff. I love it. It's, uh, yeah, so it's a wild, wild time in the Batman Beyond universe with Amanda Waller. She's playing with DNA. <laughs> All right. And with that, thus ends our long, arduous, beautiful trip through pretty much all of the characters from the new Suicide Squad film. Um, we hope you enjoyed Squad Goals. Maybe we'll revive it for for some other 
something. I don't Maybe know. if they make a sequel to this movie. With uh, even with double the cast. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope that you've enjoyed it and we hope you go into Suicide Squad knowing who everyone is. And you'll maybe get some like weird little in jokes and references that they throw in there. I hope. Yeah, you'll be you'll be able to pick up on those things that they have on those YouTube videos, like a hundred things you missed in the Suicide Squad. No, movie. because those are always like okay. I've I watched the video about like how stupid those are because okay, some of them are good. Like I can definitely recommend New Rock Stars, even though a lot of times their theories are like really just wild, crazy. Sometimes he's wrong, too. but sometimes he's right in like the weirdest ways. So I love that. But, um, no, the, the, the videos that are like, watch mojo is terrible. That's like 50 things that you missed in like this movie. And it's always like, you know, this person was a character from this comic book. And it's like, okay, you're saying that I missed a whole character that was in the movie. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for pointing out that character that exists. I love it. I don't know. It's just a stupid, like algorithm chasing thing to be like, I'm going to give you a list. But no, I do really like uh, the the new Rockstars videos. They're very good. The breakdowns. They don't call them like 10 things you missed. They just call them breakdowns because they're like, they're breakdowns of like stuff that maybe you missed or like little yeah. extra hidden details. Little, that, little Easter eggs. Little Easter eggs. I love when they like zoom in and hands and you like turn stuff upside down and he's like, I'm going to spend all day trying to read this blurry text. <laughs> they work hard over there. Okay, well, I think it is time for us to get into our review of The Long Halloween, which yes. is a which is a Batman movie that came out. Bat- uh, Long Halloween Part 2. Sorry, Part 2, yes. We already reviewed the first part. Yes. <laughs> Following this is our review that we recorded earlier. So, Long Halloween Part 2. Yeah. The Longer Halloween. Actually, it's right about the same amount of time as the first part. The just as long as the last Halloween Halloween. <laughs> Definitely my favorite of the two parts, I would really? say. Really? Really? Yes. Better than the first part, you think? Yes. I mean, both were great. I have I have a hard time, like, differentiating between the two parts when it comes to these two-parter DC films. Um, I think, like, for Dark Knight Returns, I liked part one better than I liked part two. Mm-hmm. I mean, Death and but, Return was an easy one to distinguish between the first yeah, and second parts. Yeah. In one part, he was alive, and the other part, he was dead. I think these ones, they're, they're both, like, an hour and a half each. I think they're better experienced as, like, a two-hour, 50-minute movie than mm-hmm. they are, like, you know two one and a half hour parts i think i think it's better to watch it all the way through probably but i like that they split it up into two parts because it meant they didn't have to cut anything yeah that's true they expanded on some things which i liked yeah well we've talked about this in the first part is that there's there's a lot of stuff in this movie where if it was only given a couple of panels in the original comic it was given like more breath in this Mm -hmm. in this movie you Mm -hmm. know more time to sort of sit and dwell on certain things. It means that they got to showcase certain villains a, a bit more than they were able to in the comic. Mm-hmm. I guess let's let's start with the beginning where uh, previously on Batman Along Halloween, he was poisoned by a rose given to him by Poison Ivy. And that was in the after credits. Yes, that actually was, it was. You had to you had to watch to like figure out that that had happened mm-hmm. and then it's 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 a cold open like mm-hmm. where he's already under poison ivy's control and you know he's gotta get out of it somehow but 
And he doesn't. He doesn't. Catwoman gets him out of it. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to say was that I really liked how we saw for the first time what Bruce was seeing when he was, quote unquote, in the green. Because in the comics, you just see him kind of like wrapped up in all these vines. And he's like, I was in the green for three months. And it was the happiest time of my life. Mm. But in this, we actually see inside of his head. He's with Ivy in this like beautiful vista. And she's just a beautiful woman. He's just a regular man who doesn't have to have the weight of the world in his shoulders. And he's like, this is what I've always wanted is being with a hot red-headed woman and i'm like you're welcome i'm right here batman uh yeah isn't the green the name of the like power that gives poison ivy and swamp thing their their powers i think so yeah okay being lost in the green yeah hmm interesting i wonder if that was on purpose or if it's just because the comic called it that maybe but it was good yeah, yeah, it was good. I like that part. Um, and then he gets out of it. Great fight scene with Catwoman who comes to save him. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we get back to the meat and potatoes of the actual mystery of the long Halloween, which is who is killing all of Falcone's men dressed as, you know, yeah. this does, mysterious gunman known as Holiday. Does the comic ever explain how, like, people don't get suspicious that Batman and Bruce Wayne both sort of, like, disappear out of the public eye for that long? I don't at think the same time? Bruce disappears out of the public eye. Okay. Because he's still going about and he's just completely under Ivy's control. Okay. He's still, like like we see in the movie, writing checks to the Falcone family. Yeah, I guess my question is, like, because he does have to file reports after that that says, like, you know, he was being drugged and under control of her. So wouldn't that tip somebody off? Like, if they knew that he was... If he was being drugged and under control for that time, and that's the exact same time that Batman disappears, you know? Well, nobody really knows when Batman disappears. It's really just, you know, Gordon and Dent who are I guess like, so. man, Batman must be deep undercover or something. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't offer any explanations, so. No, he doesn't. I don't think it raises any suspicions. People go missing in Gotham all the time. <laughs> it's a town full of supervillains, so what are you going to do? I guess, yeah, I guess for while he was gone, they might have just thought, like, well, maybe he got himself killed. Like, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe a mobster shot him or something. Exactly. And we just never heard about it. Yeah. So. The actual mystery of Holiday brings us to my absolute favorite character from the graphic novel, uh, Sophia Falcone, who is just great. I love her. The voice actress was perfect. She's exactly what I thought she sounded like in my head. Mm. I just, I love this character. She's just like a super badass mobster daughter. Yeah. She already has a rap sheet. She's not just like... (laughs) Poppy, you gotta take me seriously. He's just like, you know, he knows he can take her seriously, but he doesn't want her to be in this life yeah. anymore. And, and it's kind of, it's it's pretty clear. I think the, the actor, the voice actors did a great job. And, and I, I think even the animation gets across a little bit of it where like, you know, even though she is a mobster, she grew up in this, this like life of crime and she just got out of jail in her papa's eyes. She's still like his little girl, his little you know, girl. And, and, and it's for political reasons. He says that he doesn't want her to like help him out because that'll make him look weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also, I think, because he kind of wants her to like, you know, listen, I want you to keep you at an arm's distance so you don't get get hurt by like what's going on with the family right now. Yeah. It's weird 
hard, though. I mean, I feel like mobsters, especially godfathers, always need to think about, like, who is next. Because you yeah. know that your life is a ticking time bomb. <laughs> and Falcone's got two kids, Alberto and Sophia. And Alberto, he knew, was a lost cause because yeah. he went to, you know, Oxford and he does puzzles. And he's not, he's skinny and scrawny. He's not fit to rule. And Sophia, he doesn't want to pass it along to because he doesn't want her in that life. So it's like, what was your plan, Falcone? Well, I don't know. I guess the, you, you there's two things you run the risk of is like, you know, if you die without naming a successor, you risk running into like a power vacuum where yeah. everybody's fighting each other. But then if you appoint a successor and everybody else doesn't like that successor, you then end up with the exact same problem because like that person's going to get hit or whatever before they can actually do anything and then you just end up with a power vacuum again yeah it's very difficult to uh succession plan in the mafia yeah that's what we learned honestly the best choice would have been what happens which is sofia falcone starts a relationship with uh sal maroney who's yeah. the basically the de facto head of the uh of the rival crime family and had they maybe gotten married and had children they would have merged these two powerhouses and it could just been one big gigantic super powerful crime family that was running gotham yeah so i mean good on holiday for putting a stop to that conglomeration (laughs) yeah um i guess we can be thankful for that murderer maybe maybe i mean it makes batman's job a lot easier to not have them, you know, as a united yeah, front that's true. of crime. That's true. Especially because, like, one of the hardest parts about Batman's job is that he doesn't run the court system. So, yeah. like, even if he catches these guys... His whole idea is, like, I'm, I dress as a bat because I want to scare criminals because I want them to think twice about committing crime. But he, at the same time, it's also, like, you know, these guys don't get convicted a lot of the time mm-hmm. because of just all of the corruption in Gotham. And the crime families are part of that. Yeah. And also they throw acid into Harvey Dent's face. But <laughs> Although Sal Maroney, uh, you know, was obviously going to get some punishment for throwing acid in Harvey Dent's face. I don't know why he didn't just go along with the initial plan and be like, let me rat out everybody in the Maroney crime family. Unless he really... Falcone. Falcone, Falcone crime. crime family. Unless he really did love Sophia. I he think didn't that might have been it. Yeah. Aw, I love it. Or, again, maybe he was thinking the same thing. He was thinking that they could join forces and then, you know, he would be kingpin. Because it's, it's kind of implied, I think, that the Falcones are a bit more powerful than the Maronis. Yeah. Just in terms Especially of, like... Especially because we don't see the Maronis until part two. Yeah, yeah. We Well, that's not true. I don't think they're in part one at all. Yes, they are. So, okay. The, the ending deviates from the comic a lot. But I really appreciated it in a way that I didn't appreciate Hush. Because it expands on what was already in the comic and like spells it out in a way that's like doesn't really beat you over the head with it, but it definitely explains it a lot better. Mm-hmm. I was super confused when I read the comic because it was like, okay, so Holiday wasn't just one person. Some of them were Alberto Falcone, some of them were Harvey Dent, and then some of them were Gilda Dent. It kind of yeah. shows you at the end, and it's yeah. like Gilda, why? Who knows? Ugh. So the comic or the movie really, really condenses it, and they're like, listen. It was just Gilda Dent, and here's why she did yeah. it. She used to be Alberta Falcone's girlfriend. She got pregnant with his child. Her fa- uh, His father made them annul their marriage and, like, forcibly gave her an abortion. And so because of all that horrible trauma, she would, of course, want to, like, wipe out the entire family. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. came to Gotham and specifically married Harvey Dent so she could do that. And it also ties up, uh, like, stuff like... 
Because in the comic, uh, Alberto does the first couple of murders, and then Harvey takes over. I don't know why. Do they ever explain why Harvey takes over in the comic? He just thinks it'd be better. It's it's a better way to like solve the issue because he's do- dealing with the same thing as like you can't put these guys away, so he's gonna put them in the ground instead. Yeah. Um. And then the reason why Gilda takes over is because she wants to be with Harvey more, and she sees that like these cases are taking up his time. Mm-hmm. So she wants like the crime families to be gone with because she wants more time with Harvey. Yeah. In the movie, it's and and it never sort of really explains other than the fact that like Harvey turns into Two-Face and then it's like I guess I can't spend time with him anyway, so I'll get hang up holiday. In the movie, she like agrees with Batman to hang up holiday. And it's weird that Batman doesn't want to bring her to justice. Yeah, it's super weird. Uh <sighs> I mean, at the end of the day, she was only hurting mobsters. <laughs> so he's like, you know what? She's making my job a little easier, but she does need to stop. And if she doesn't, I'm gonna, you know, you know, I love like a, I love like a badass criminal lady. I would love a movie where Gilda Dent teams up with uh, Andrea and they <laughs> just go on a massive crime spree. That'd be great. Does she have... It does kind of give you, like, Mask of the Phantasm, Andrea vibes. Yeah. A, she, a woman who's going out and hitting people up for revenge. Yeah, a revenge against mobsters that, like, wronged her for, like, personal reasons. Because mm-hmm. Andrea's is because her dad was, like, in debt with the mob or something, mm-hmm. and so... Well, the Joker and all of his cronies... Well, no, because it was the mob. Because actually that movie establishes that the Joker used to work for one of the crime families. Right, right, right. Or doesn't, like, doesn't flat out establish it, but, like, hints at it because there's, like, a guy who works for one of the crime families who looks, who has, like, a long nose and a, and a pointy chin and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Joker. Uh, and, yeah, so it's sort of implied. Well, it's not, no. The Joker kills her father. I know that. And then she goes and, like, kills all of his, like, all of the other guys who were involved, and then she saves Joker for last, and then Batman tries to stop her from killing the Joker. Yeah. And uh, he does. <laughs> Joker, well, does, Joker doesn't die in that. Or no, it's like left like ambivalent. Yeah, it's amb- like maybe she killed the Joker, but like she didn't. Ambiguous, Joker. you mean? Am- ambivalent? No. Ambiguous? No. All right. It's ambiguous. Le- <laughs> sure. It's left ambiguous because uh, there's like a big explosion. Yeah. And I think An- Andrea also kind of disappears in that explosion too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I like Calendar Man. He was only in a few extra scenes in this, but I but I liked him. I liked his little uh, Taco Tuesday monologue. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> um, and I liked how there's a part where uh, I think this also happens in the comic. It must, because there's a really great iconic shot in the comic of like, I want to say it's in Falcone's office. He it like is a big wide shot of like a bunch of A-list rogues gallery, people just like sitting on his desk. Mm-hmm. So... Dent, like, goes into Arkham and, like, breaks out a bunch of people. And you... But Calendar Man is, like, the one person that he doesn't break out of Arkham. And you can see it's because at one point he must have, like, asked everybody to, like, you know, pick heads or tails. And obviously his coin only has heads. (laughs) And Calendar Man picked tails. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a really funny moment, but I liked that. Although at that point, he's already switched to, like, Two-Face, who has the heads and the the scratched out heads. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe both are heads. I guess. I guess so. Still. He he does he flips for stuff though. He always flips for stuff. Yeah. But he makes his own luck. 
No, he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, that was something that was cool. We were covering... Heads I live, tails you die. We're talking... Sometimes he does that. Uh, We're talking about the coin. We get to see, like, the origin of the coin and talking... And and also the origin of, like, criminals or superstitious uh, individuals where it's it's the scene of a young Bruce and he's he's got... um, Who was it? it, It's... um, it's Falcone, right? It's, it's Al- yeah, it's a young Falcone. Yeah. Carmine Falcone. Carmine Falcone. And and he is like he's been shot and This he- is in the comic too. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now now I'm like remembering it's jogging my memory. He he comes in, he has the coin with him and it's a two-headed coin and Bruce finds it and he says, you know, you drop this and he goes yeah, I keep it around with me because, uh, you know, criminals are, are superstitious. And so I make my own luck. You know, I'll ask people to flip for stuff sometimes. <laughs> and I, can always, I always win. Mm-hmm. Which to me is like, I feel like there's a lot of criminals that are more, that are smarter than that. Like, I wouldn't trust a guy who's like, here's, I will use my coin. Like, I'd be like, no, we'll use my coin. I know I have regular quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Catwoman because this is Naya Rivera's final acting role before her untimely death. That's true. Last year. That's mm-hmm. true. Do, has there been talk of like if somebody's going to take her over after this in terms of like the new continuity for the movies, mm-hmm. which which this is implied like end of the movie. There's a tag where the Flash and Green Arrow show up, and it's it's implied like oh now Batman's going to join the Justice League as they had set up in the Justice Society movie earlier. Well, we don't know because the only announced project after this is an Injustice movie that's got entirely new voice cast. Mm -hmm. Let's put a pin in that because I do want to talk about that later. So we don't know what's coming next. Um, But either they won't have Catwoman in it because she's not really a part of the Justice League. Hmm. Or if there's another movie, they'll probably just Just recast her. her, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like her, I liked her costume. I don't think I talked about this in the first movie, but, uh... She had, like, a smaller cat face on her cat face. Yeah! You know, it really reminded me of her animated series costume, where she's got, like, that gray hood, but then there's also, like, the black around the eyes Mm kind of deal. I think it looks neat. I think it's, uh, because it's very muted. Like, you gotta look hard to see it, because it's it's two, it's two shades of black, but it's just, like, one darker black on top of a, a lighter black. Yeah. I liked her a lot. I liked how she had, like, a ton of agency in this movie. Mm-hmm. She had a different motivation in this movie than I think she did in the comic. And I would have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure it was an entirely different well, motivation. so in the comic... So in the movie, she is, like, motivated by... She thinks that Falcone is her father. I think in the comic, it's implied that she's the long lost daughter of Falcone but it's I don't think she ever gives states that as the reason and again I think you're right I think we'd have to go back to the comic and yeah. figure that I out I thought in the comic she was just kind of hanging out No she she is involved and she's involved in the crime families and I I think they're even in the comic he might be like you know why are you invested in this and she's like I, I don't know I have ties <laughs> basically but in this one it's it's very clearly stated like you know she is Falcone's long lost daughter like no no two ways about it 
Because in the end, he sees her and like says her name out loud or what her name would have been before Selena. Mm -hmm. Before she took on the Selena name. No, I think he was saying her mother's name. Because earlier she was like, I don't even know my mother's name. She looks like her mother. She looks just like her. Yeah. So he was going to, she was going to just like reveal herself so he could be like, oh, wow, that lady who I slept with all those years ago. (laughs) Here's her name. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, great movie. Naya Rivera, great job. Jensen Ackles, great job. Hope to see more of him. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. A lot of great performances in this. Great I, rogues gallery. Uh, what do you, how do you, how are you feeling? This is now the third movie. I mean, technically, this is part of the first part of this movie, but like, how are you feeling about the art style still? I know you were, you were like in the first part, you were like, I wish they would have gone with the comic designs, but I know that's hard to animate. Do you, do you still like the designs? Cause I like Catwoman's design. I, yeah. Batman's design is pretty plain. I'm glad they're keeping everything pretty consistent from movie to movie. Yeah. Because I'm, I, I'm liking the art style. Are you liking the universe as a whole? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, Long Halloween is a great story to use as a jumping off point for Batman mm-hmm. to introduce him to the new universe. Uh, the Justice Society one was really weird because was. it was... Actually, no, because the Superman one was the first one in this mm-hmm. continuity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was okay. I don't I don't think that that was a good way to introduce this whole continuity. Uh, and then the Flash one, we didn't even really get to see much of... Like the Flash interacting with his own universe. That one was more about the Justice Society than mm-hmm. it was like, you know, the Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is like the first one that I think really nails the like, we're introducing a new universe. These are the the new takes on the characters. Because uh, I, I don't know, the Superman really didn't grab me. The Superman one didn't really grab me. I didn't think the Superman had that strong a personality in that movie and uh you know who who's in that it's uh superman and martian manhunter uh, martian manhunter yes and martian manhunter doesn't even get that much screen time although i did like his portrayal in that movie uh it's it's parasite is the villain right yeah and uh that one is like really you went with parasite is the is the first the superman villain that you introduce i yeah. guess you know it's better than using something that's like brainiac very, for the millionth time yeah better than using brainiac who's kind of played out and also uh better than using like doomsday which is like you know wait to tell those stories until t- superman is established yeah although i probably i would have appreciated even if they would have gone with even like a lower tier villain or if they would have focused on lex luthor more i know lex luthor gets screen time in that movie but uh, a sort of a superman versus the corptocracy type deal is i think a a better story than superman versus an alien monster because like those stories aren't as interesting in terms of like interpersonal relationships i think it it shows much better when superman has to deal with stuff that he can't punch his way out of Mm -hmm. you know yeah but great movie very excited for the rest of the universe. Yeah, yeah. And and what about the Injustice movie? What are we thinking about that? I like the games. I really like the the storylines of the games. Uh, we know that they're getting different voice actors for this one, so it's definitely going to take place in like a different universe. Uh, Do you think WB is like kind of pushing out this like Injustice movie? Because that's what Zack Snyder wanted to go for for his Justice League sequels. And they're like, no, you can't do it, Zack. We're doing it. Maybe. I don't know. I, I guess, I don't, do we know if, if the, what is it, Nether Realms or whoever makes the Mortal Kombat, the, uh, like, 
comics and the the games whoever like wrote those are they working on the movie too or is it someone else adapting it i don't know you don't know okay you mean injustice you said mortal Kombat. oh sorry well no no because they, they make they mortal, do both yeah they make mortal Kombat as well and the injustice game works on the same like engine as mortal Kombat. cool um and there's mortal Kombat characters in injustice too is like downloadable content Okay. So you, you can have Superman fight Sub-Zero and stuff. Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fighting game person, I if know, anyone listening cares. There's, like, a lot. I There's a lot of lore in the Injustice universe. They, they did two games that are, like, 10-hour stories, mm-hmm. and they also... I know, I talked about Harley Quinn and her daughter on a couple, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, and there's also, like, I want to say... Four runs, like each game got at least a couple of years of worth of comics, like at least 12 issues each for each run. Uh, And there's like multiple years. So there's a lot of lore to cover in Injustice. It's going to be interesting to see what they decide, what they like choose to tell the stories of and what they don't. Because the games you kind of have to read the comics to understand fully what's happening in the games. Cause games sort of pick up in the middle of everything. And it's like only the places where the superheroes would fight. Cause it's a fighting game. So it's like only the, the stuff that they're fighting about that you actually get introduced to, but all the background stuff of, of more of why they're fighting isn't covered in the game. And you have to read the comics to figure that out. Now I'm curious to see now that they're in a different medium, how, like how much of that they get to do, like how much, how much of it is going to be that that sort of setup and how much of it is going to be superhero fights? Because they could keep it so that it's like a lot of superhero fights, but that wouldn't be a very interesting movie. That would just be a bunch of action sequences. <laughs> and, uh, oh man, it would also be cool to see if they, they do like animated versions of those finishers that they have because it's a really cool <laughs> i love where like the flash like takes people back through history and and slams them into a t-rex and like the pyramids of giza and stuff well i hope that happens for you <laughs> thanks for listening to batmates if you would like to get in touch with us our twitter is at batmates and our email is batmatespodcast at gmail.com Enjoy Suicide Squad!